Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Well, hello everybody. Hello everyone online. Hello to everyone in person. I'm so sorry I can't be there today in person with the COVID restrictions and border closures. Uh, It's made it difficult for, for Bonnie and I Good news is, next month, December, uh, it's opening up, and so we don't have to quarantine, and we will be able to be with you in person. Come on, I'm so excited to just be with you and see you, and some high fives, COVID safe, and just be with everyone in person. I do want to thank you for your grace and your understanding in this difficult time that Bonnie and I can't be there. Our our hearts are really, really, really broken. It's, it's quite a weight on us. Um, but I do want to thank all the leadership team. I, I do want to thank all of you for your commitment to Christ and to rebuild the church as we dig out of this lockdown and into all that God has for us. So great times ahead with our God and his plan and future for our lives, our families and our church. I couldn't be more excited for the plans God has for us. Today, week three of our series, More Than Words. So I'm starting off with a confession. Now, normally you you confess to me, right? But I'm confessing something to you. Here's my confession. I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't play an instrument. Some of you who know me know that's obvious. But what you might not know is I've secretly always wanted to. I've always wanted to be in the band, but I never got invited. This is years of church, 30 odd years I've been going to church, waiting uh, to make it onto the stage to be able to be the cool kid with the band. And it's never happened. I never got the invite. I did practice musicians. I went to training for singing. Early on, I learned the saxophone. I learned the saxophone. And I never made it. Now, this runs deep, okay? little therapy here. Back in the second grade, you remember music? Each time, second grade, there'd be a little song you'd sing. Each week, I was hoping I would get an instrument, a cool instrument. Of course, the drums. That's the coolest of all, right? A little kid, I wanted drums. But look, the guitar would have been fine. Even the clap stick. You know the clap things? So every every week, I think it was a Tuesday, I still remember this, second grade, right? I would be hoping uh, that my teacher would give me an instrument out of the instrument box. And every time, without fail, she would give all the cool instruments away and I would end up with a triangle. Remember the little triangle thing? (laughs) That's it. I think I was just a wild, loud kid with ADD, and she didn't want to put something into my hands that would disrupt the class. Every week I got this stupid triangle, and I would just be, oh, devastated, right? Heartbroken. And so this has been an issue for me for years. Now you really know where I'm coming from. And so seeing people in worship and doing this whole music thing, it was never never my my jam. It was never my space. It was never uh, where, where I fitted or belonged until in my early 20s, I was about 21, I was living on the beach 
in a uh, place called Etty Bay in North Queensland. So there's this rainforest, there's this caravan park with no permanence, just me, uh, and then there's this gorgeous beach. It was just magnificent, isolated, uh, no one around. And someone in the church gave me a guitar and taught me three chords. That's it, three chords. And this opened the door for me just to play to my God. I, I think it was that, that hand. I would just sing and worship day and night to my heart's content. Honestly, I'd come home from work and I'd get my guitar and I'd sit on the beach and I would just sing out songs. I would worship him. It opened this door for me that had previously been locked. It, it opened this access to worship like I never had done before. Um, it was one of the most spiritually rich times of my life. In fact, the little youth group that we had in this town in far north Queensland, we would go into the cane fields on a Friday night while others were partying and clubbing and drinking. We would go out and we would worship. There was about 12 of us and we would just sing and, and praise and we would sneak in to the church and we'd start playing on the instruments when no one was looking and we would just work. It was one of the most impactful times in my life. It, it was where God spoke to me, where I just encountered him like never before. And it was worship that opened up that door. It was Revival. Here's what revival is. I'll put the words on the screen. Revival brings transformation. Revival is not an emotional high. Revival happens when there is a move of the Spirit. A move of the Spirit happens when we worship and praise our God. Isaiah 43 verse 21. The people whom I'm formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. We are human beings born to worship and praise our God, to adore him, it means, to offer thanksgiving. And today we're going to study corporate worship. What does it mean for us as a church? What's my passions as the pastor moving forward? How does this series, more than words, affect us on a Sunday and during the week? A.W. Tozer says these words. I can safely say, on the authority of all that is revealed in the Word of God, that any man or woman on this earth who is bored or turned off by worship isn't ready for heaven. Worship should be something we love, that, that we cannot wait to do. It should be something that is just part of us. John 4, 23, Jesus says, A time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and in truth, that's, that's Jesus, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. The Father is seeking worshipers. The Father is seeking worshipers today. I pray he'll find us as we worship our King. Now, the dictionary meaning for worship is an expression of reverence. It's a declaration 
of devotion. It shows what, what we value. Now, if Jesus says there's true worshippers, then there must be false worshippers. If he says there's true worshippers, there must be false worshippers. And here's the truth. Many of us worship something, whether it's sports or a concert or fame or money or a deal or married or kids or money or whatever. We can all worship something. The problem is most people give good worship to a bad God. And let's give an example today and some photos of some good worship. Good worship is that declaration of devotion. This guy is devoted to his team. Um, we see that fans in sports, they give them worship. They're sold out uh, to whoever their team might be. They're all committed. They're planning all week to show up and, and cheer them on. And who can forget in Australia... We get a bit carried away uh, with, with, our, with, with our state of origin every year. Uh, the, the Blues are super happy um, because winning. This guy was happy once years ago when Queensland won, but he's not doing any devotion or worship today. But it gives us sort of a, a bit of a wake-up call because so often we give good worship to a bad God. But let me be real for a moment. Our God is a good God. It's Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yet often when we come in to church corporately to worship our God, we can be a bit distracted. Our mind can be thinking on other things. We can start judging the song or the singer, uh, you know, start critiquing who we like and don't like or how loud the music is or will the lights are good or not good. And we can lose sight that God is looking for true worshippers because we want to give good worship because we serve a good God. Now, I'm not saying we have to be emotional and, and we have to jump up and down, but I am saying that good worship comes from a posture of, of, of surrender and love and adoration to our God. Jesus addresses this issue. In Matthew 15, verse 9, he says, The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He goes on to say in verse 9, their worship is a farce. And this has been challenging for me, even as a pastor, I'm always focusing corporately on a Sunday, you know, is everything working right and the time and everyone, you know, doing what we need to do and trying to run the program. I can forget, hey, I'm there to worship. I'm there to give glory and honor to my God. Isn't that what matters? <laughs> Isn't that what we're coming together to do? Not, not, not be preoccupied with all the processes. I know all that's got to be done, but at the heart of it, Father is seeking true worshippers. How about you today? How's your worship? When we talk corporately as a church and we come together, are we kind of drifting in late? You know, are we, are we sort of thinking about other things? What's to eat for lunch or what's going on in the afternoon? Or are we coming in giving our devotion, giving our best to our God, regardless of what's going on on the stage or what songs are being played? Are we worshiping Him in spirit 
and in truth. I want to teach a little more today of the type of worship that God is looking for. So let's go to the Greek word of worship is poskoneo. Poskoneo, that's the Greek word for this word worship. It means to fall on your knees and touch the ground with your forehead as an expression of profound reverence. Another uh, description of that word is kneeling or prostration falling low, showing homage to, to honor, to show respect, to make supplication. It's this posture where we actually, we, we kneel. Where, where, where we come before our God, lowering ourselves, yet, yet looking to Him to give Him glory and to give Him honor. There is another description of this word proskoneo, and it means to kiss the hand or like a dog licking its master's hand. Now, I don't know if there's any dog lovers in the house. I was not a dog lover. I think they're annoying and they're expensive. And it was not on my uh, plan to get a dog. I got five kids. I got enough going on uh, with all the churches. And I, I didn't want. So my little Finn, he wanted a dog. And Bonnie went to the country uh, where she's from, and they found this little dog, a little puppy, and it didn't have a home. And so suddenly Finn sees this little puppy, falls in love, and brings it home. And I'm sort of, oh, what do I do? You know, I can't get rid of the dog now. You know, I've got to be that loving father. But over time, I've just got to be honest here, the dog has won me. I'm, I'm kind of melted. I'll show you a photo of my dog. This is my dog called Thunder. Now, he is a country dog. He's this wild stallion of a dog. He's just full of energy, just like his master. And he's just going, and we live in this suburbia on this coastal, uh, you know, beachy town. And there's this dog. But over time, he softened. And over time, I've softened. This dog, he stares at me like that all day. W wherever I am in the house, uh, our bedroom opens up to the patio or our kitchen opens up to the patio or our dining room and our, even our living room opens up to this big patio. Wherever I look, this thing <laughs> is staring at me. He's looking at me with these eyes and just give me a pat. He just loves me. Uh, wherever I am, it's freaky. I wake up in the morning and I look out the window and he's staring at me. As soon as I walk home, he's there. He just wants a cuddle, a hug, or a pat. And that's the image I think in my mind when I think about worship. I just want to be there to love my God. Not when it's convenient for me. Not, not just, you know, when it suits me. But my heart has this posture just to worship, to honor, to praise, to thank God you're amazing. God, I worship you. God, you've done so much for me. God, you're the greatest. You're awesome. It's this posture of just bowing and lowering and lifting God up in our lives. As a church, we want to give good worship to a good God. In Psalms 100, it's a beautiful psalm. Shout for joy to the Lord, all of heaven. Worship the Lord with your gladness. 
come before him singing. That's why we sing, singing with joy, not with a frown, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his. We are his people, the shepherd of his pastures. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. Well, let's, let's say that again. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. He deserves good worship because he's a good God. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. I think if there's one thing that can mark a mature believer that God is looking for, it's a worshiper. And you don't have to play an instrument to worship. You don't have to be able to sing to worship. You have to have a heart that loves and adores your God. Another one of the Hebrew words uh, that we use to get our English word praise is Barak. And so Barak is about kneeling. It means to bless God, to praise, to salute, to thank. Again, Barak is a posture. Just like we found in the word worship is bowing, Barak is also a word of humility. It embodies the notion of kneeling before God, of blessing and adoring Him. It's almost like to lift God up, we have to lower ourselves because we are not the God of our lives. God is. There can only be one true God in your life. And it's this, it's this notion of bowing, of surrendering, of being lower and lifting our God up. In the Psalms, this word Barak is used 289 times. And on each occurrence, it's used to describe worship. Falling on your knees before God in reverence, adoration, thanksgiving. Scholars in ancient Hebrew provide additional insights into this word Barak. They believe that in the original context, the term did not simply mean bowing down. Instead, it carried an idea of bending low while keeping your eyes transfixed. So it isn't just I'm worthless, I'm shame, I'm nothing. No, 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 no. It's bowing so we can look up to our God, to be transfixed on our King. Psalm 72, verse 11. Ye all kings shall fall down before him. All the nations shall serve him, and he shall live. And to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba. Prayer shall also be made for him continually. This is talking about our God. And... Daily shall he be barracked. Daily shall he be praised. When I was dating Bonnie, you're going to find this hard to believe, but she dropped me. So I was a city boy from uh, Sydney and then the Gold Coast, and she was a country girl uh, from Dolby. And so we, we found each other in this little church in this 10,000-people town in Innisfail, just south of Cairns, far north Queensland. 
And so we were doing youth group together and fell in love and I was dating her and I was barracking her. She was awesome, right? And I got distracted. I, I, I started to flirt with some other girls in the youth group. Yeah, you, you know where this is going, don't you? And so I got distracted and I started to flirt. Next thing I find out, she's dropped me. She's dropped me. And I'm like, what? No! As soon as I heard this from a friend of a friend of a friend, you know how it works and, and, and when you're in the youth group, it takes a few people to get the information through to you. Um, I, I just drove to her house and I just bust open her door and I just literally fell on my knees and I'm begging her to take me back. She said no, she said no, she said no, but my persistence, my baracking, my bowing and being transfixed on her, finally I won her back and she gave me one more chance. I never lost focus on her from that day on. Uh, I never looked anywhere else, I never flirted, I never, uh, I baracked her. And it's the same for us so often with our relationship with God, we can get distracted. You know, we, we can get sidetracked. We, we can forget who our God is. He's the lover of our soul. We forget the first love when we first got saved. We can miss the whole point that we're here to worship our God, to give good worship to a good God. Now, I don't know where you're at today with your worship, but I pray that as a church, as the Father is seeking true worshippers, he would find us. Here we are as we bow down and keep our eyes transfixed on him. During the Roman Empire, the emperor of Rome ruled over many lesser kings. And these kings were at times commanded to come before the emperor and lay down their crowns in homage. And he would give them back as a demonstration that their crowns, their right to rule, their victory came from him, Caesar, the emperor. And it's the same with us when we barak. We, we lay everything down. We lay our crowns, our, our abilities, our, our, our pride, our ego, our accomplishments. We lay them down and, and, and we give everything back to God. And God in his grace and his love gives it back to us. Revelations 4.10, as we close today, the 24 elders get down before him and worship him who lives forever. What do they do? They lay their crowns before him. When we worship, we bow in our hearts. We transfix our eyes on the king. We lay down all our accomplishments. We lay down all of our plans. We lay down all of our future ideas and we recognize everything comes from Him. Everything we have is His. Any talent, any gift, any ability, it all comes from God. He is the one who we pay homage to, who we worship, who we submit to, who we surrender. We, we posture ourselves by kneeling in our hearts and by lifting up our God. Maybe it's time for you to re-surrender. Maybe it's time for you to lay down your life to be saved. Because that's when worship begins. 
when we recognize we need a savior, when we recognize there is a God that's bigger than us and we need that God to save us, that's salvation. It starts with worship. When we bow our own will and our own desires and we realize we're not good enough, we cannot save ourselves. Because the gospel is this, we're born with sin and we can't save ourselves, that we need a higher power, a higher force, that's Jesus Christ, to forgive us and change us. We need to bow down our egos. We need to bow down our plans. We need to bow down our control of our lives and surrender to our God so He can forgive us and change us. And some of you, it's time to barak. It's time to bow. It's time to surrender. It's time to say yes to Jesus Christ with eyes closed and heads bowed without anyone looking around. This this is for you today. You're far from God. You're not following Him. You're not living for Him. You're not honoring Him. Today's your day to be saved. That's why Jesus came, so you could be a worshiper. That's what you were born to do. And it starts when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you become saved. So with everyone praying together, with our eyes closed and heads bowed, I want you to say this prayer out loud with me. Jesus, come on, say it with me out loud. Jesus, I am a sinner. I bow my knees. I surrender my life. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I believe in you. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Some of you today, you are saved and you do know God, but you need to re-surrender, to come back to that place where you give Jesus Christ the glory and the honor. Uh, We're actually going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. We're going to sing a song called Re-Surrender. As I speak the words of the bridge, and the musicians come and play, we're going to lean straight into worship. Church, we're going to give good worship to our good God today. If you're calling, we're coming. We're not walking, we're running. God, we need re-surrender. We re-surrender.